It's your boy Sage coming to you live from running errands. Yeah, dig. Man, these last two, three weeks have been hectic, traumatic, emotional, just downright crazy, right? The energy, the downloads, the upgrades, the breaking away, breaking of patterns, all of that jazz. So, apologize if I've kept you all waiting. Didn't really think most people were listening. <laughs> I'm just doing this. This is more so a time capsule for my daughter, these conversations. But now that I see that they're actually empowering others like me and helping others with certain connections, I figured I'd continue and keep going. So today's topic, we're going to go back into my childhood and talk about how I hacked the matrix without even knowing it. Um, my podcasts are like linear, so like they jump time timelines a lot. So the first one, which was when I left Earth, is probably everything that comes after that one is basically in chronological order of things that were happening to me before I got to that point. So if you haven't heard the first one, you're fine. If you want to listen to the first one, that is post-dated to 2013. So that is when that actually took place. And I went into the seven years of loss. I guess you could call it the Job season. But today we are going to discuss the synchronicity of numerology, numbers, and hacking the matrix. Now... I was adopted at three months old, and I ended up being put on medication, I think, around the age of eight all the way up to 16. So it was right before I hit puberty. It's one of those ADHD, ADD kids. Um, Apparently, I supposedly, and I say supposedly with good reason, everything that I'm about to tell you, you can go look up, you can go listen to Dr. Umar Johnson, there's a lot of things. Most of the stuff that I've gone through, experience-wise, I didn't know what it was until hindsight, and then when I started looking for the answers to heal and figure out what was going on with me, it was literally, I have no background in any type of metaphysics or any... um, doctor knowledge like I'm not a med student or anything like that so everything I figured out came from within and then also came from external experiences so just keep this in mind I'm just going to fill a lot of holes and why I've come up to a lot of the conclusions that I've come to it's really not that hard to see most of you if you're a starseed or if you're like me are have actually always been awake or I say have always risen to the call, you just weren't aware. You were doing things without even knowing why you were doing them. You were doing things and going through experiences, you know, pretty much on autopilot. 
And there was a reason for that. But once you gain your control back, you start to see where all the holes begin to get filled in. So, like I said, I was adopted at three months old, put on medication. Um, my psychiatrist was Dr. Sharon Iwahart. You can go Google her name. And you will find that she is in jail right now. She is a major psychiatrist in Houston, or was. And I didn't find out she got locked up till 2014. I was already out the military and things were already happening to me. I was just putting the pieces together. But I want to talk about when is it that I actually started realizing I was different and why it scared me and how. So... I think 2001, everybody knows that 9-11 happened and something was off. Well, for me, it wasn't really 9-11 that triggered. For me, it was actually Columbine. Columbine was Dylan in, I think, Kyle Klebold's uh, little shooting rampage. Some people say it happened. Some people say it didn't happen the way they say. Some people say it never happened. But... It was a massacre of over 23 students who were killed at a high school where they walked in and started shooting. And, you know, it was one of the major um, false flags of our generation in my time. Even though it wasn't the first, it wasn't the original. It was pretty big still because it was put in the media for years. Um, Around that time, I had just started taking medication. I had started reading the Anarchist Cookbook. You know, I was very depressed. I was I was in a lot of dark shit, <laughs> you know, and I didn't have any idea of why I was that way. I, it was just I had, you know, I was raised by women. So like they just my emotional intellect was superseded what my age. It superseded the intellect I was supposed to have around that age. I was always very open minded. I was always intelligent in fact my mom used to think i was the most intelligent in the family so the medications that i was taking was it started off with ritalin then it went from just taking ritalin to taking a higher dosage of ritalin to going up to adderall then from adderall it was adderall and clonidine and then from adderall and clonidine they added um paxil and then from paxil they added uh what is it fuck um, let's see, Adderall, Clonidine, Risperidol, Prozac, and Clonidine. I was taking all of these at one time for a while in my life. And, you know, you don't realize until you get older that the medications were canceling themselves out because one was an upper, one was a downer, and I was taking them all at the same time because it was prescribed by this woman. Um, she was locked up, by the way, for giving out false prescriptions and cheating the um healthcare system and she owes a lot of money i guess to the government i think it was over a million dollars and at the time i was not aware that she was married to a houston rockets basketball player so that should put you in that should give you an idea of how a part of the system i was in and where the wealth was like pretty much issued out around my family like I said, I come from a family of nine, seven sisters. I'm the middle child, but I'm also the oldest male. Um, so let's see, 2009, I was ninth grade. 2010, I was 10th grade, dropped out. And then I ended up going to Houston Can Academy. So around this time, while I was taking Prozac, 
I thought I was going crazy. Like, I really thought I was going crazy. And I wasn't. I was seeing things. I was hearing things. Birds were speaking to me. Animals were speaking to me. And apparently some of the diagnoses that were in the record were schizophrenic, uh, bipolar, um, ADHD, ADD. I had both, apparently. And there was one more. It wasn't considered PTSD, PTSD back then. But um, I had all these these uh, diagnoses, but there was no proof, you know. And every time I took the medicine that I was taking, there was this little voice in my stomach, my gut instinct. I, I call it now my solar chakra and solar plexus and uh, sacral chakras. They would talk to me on the inside and they would tell me, you don't need this medicine. You don't need these pills. You don't need this medicine. You don't need these pills. So I used to think I used to battle with mental issues all the time. I'm still I still battle with it. And just a side note, for those that are truly on the right path of coming into self, you will be called crazy. You will run into these things. It is to keep you off balance. And the reason why I tell you this now is because most of you who are are who you say you are, it's a lot, like I said, a lot of you did not come into this knowing what you were supposed to do because that's a part of the program. Your your memory is erased. But the soul is not. And the soul still remembers. And certain events are here to trigger you into understanding what it is that you are supposed to be doing. It's just hidden in your face. It's magic. It's It's pretty powerful stuff. Now, for me... Because I went through all of this, it is why I do not allow my child to be medicated. And it's why I went the holistic route. I just don't trust doctors, especially with my experience in the military and vaccinations and things like that. And me being wavered from vaccinations because of my blood type. And, you know, there's there's so much other stuff that I'm still trying to figure out because I was adopted at such a young age and my name was changed and I had no contact to any body of my bloodline so technically if you met me before now you would know that um the story would change with my birth parents all the time because my mom would not give me the correct information until this recent past year and the reason for that was she was always trying to protect me and I also found out that she put me on that medication because I would not conform or assimilate to the original programming now, my programming started to glitch back in 1999 or 98 when um, the Columbine massacre happened. I was intrigued by it. Not by the massacre, not by the death, but it was just like, this shit does not happen. You know, because the way I was raised, I, I was away from all of the... My tra- trauma was more mental and emotional and psychological than it was physical. Um, there was some physical things that happened back in my childhood, but it was basically because I would not conform and I would not assimilate to what was being asked of me to do. And so when I speak on abuse, it's coming from a real place because even I still have uh, some of those traits that I still fight daily. It's, it's why I meditate so much. It's why I've always uh, loved the martial arts. Speaking of which, my three male role models in my life were Bruce Lee, Michael Jackson, and, um, of course, Jesus. I think most black males were given Jesus as a representation. But for the most part, I've always followed myself. I never really seeked out a mentor or a 
manly like figure because they were never around anyway so i had to make my own and before naruto it was those three so to stay on topic um took the medicine for those many years stunted my growth i lost my appetite um started being able to like just sense things out of the ordinary that most people couldn't sense and i my like lie detector test um inside of me just would always go off i would always be on high alert i would always be able and you don't realize when you're a child that you're high but basically (laughs) as you get older you start to realize that the pharmaceutical drug companies are a lie and a sham and that they were just drugging you up and basically you were you could because i guess you could say crack babies (laughs) you know basically that's what it is because the same drugs that they sold as pharmaceutical companies were drugs you could find on the street for a cheaper value, and it was the same shit. Um, oh yeah, I I guess so. Adderall is a deamphetamine, which is really just meth, and you know all of these things take place between eight and sixteen, and at the time you don't know you're high so you don't realize that you're actually seeing what you're seeing is real but it's because you're in a different realm of existence while you're also moving around in the constant realm that is what most people call reality as of now the physicality of it so you don't realize that uh basically all of that ties into each other so my awakening codes happened around 9-11 like Columbine happened I started studying it I started looking into it and I started getting into like dark shit I was listening to a lot of rock music back then you know I was a suburb kid um so I did what all the other kids were doing but music was always like my savior because it always kept me shielded and protected music doesn't affect me the way it affects everyone else for some strange reason I don't know why but most people they listen to a song and they get amped up and then they want to go do shit me i listen to music and i know it's just music you know (laughs) it doesn't really turn me on like that it doesn't really get me going like that intellect and knowledge books get me going and a lot of the times when i was on this medication it calmed me down but not in the sense of calming me down because i was over hyper it calmed me down now to my mom she'll probably say i was but that was because of the age gap and just the fact that she didn't realize that things were changing you know at a faster rate than she expected what it was for me was it allowed me to focus and concentrate and introvert and so because i was on this medication i was always introverted quiet very observant for the surroundings around me not knowing this was a symptom of me being high because like when you smoke you in you Basically, most people, when they smoke, they laugh a lot, but they also internalize a lot of things. They also go within. They also are able to focus on wounds, and that is why they do it. It's escapism. So for me, my escapism became external because I was on these things and didn't have the true knowledge of truth of what was actually being done to my body. And so it led me to spirit and that spirit led me to you know figuring out what the hell was going on with my reality now i wasn't the only one put on these medications all my brothers and sisters were put on it and it makes sense because my mom was a single parent at the time and she was raising i think at this point four of my sisters were older and they were out of the house so she was raising five other children but 
with these children, being a single parent, not having any of her own and a full time school teacher, she had what me and Brandon. So that's two boys. And then Raven, Brian, Ashley, Lauren, Aaron. No, Aaron was gone. So Lauren, Ashley, Raven. Let's see. I think it was about four or five girls and then two boys. And at the time, the age gap, we were like a year and two years apart. I think my youngest sister is the youngest. She she just turned 19. She just graduated. But um, the age would be like, if I'm 15, my little brother was what, 14? No, 13. One of my little sisters was 14. And then his little sister was, he's, he's, if I'm 15, Ashley's 14. Brandon would be 13. So Raven or Brian would be... 11 you know it, it was like a two-year gap basically when i was in fifth grade the other three were third fourth and second grade you know what i'm saying <laughs> and then raven was the kindergartner kid we always had a maid we always had um some type of uh housekeeper there because my mom was always at work full time so there were a lot of things that happened while she was gone while we would be home that she didn't know what's going on and still to the day, she probably doesn't know, not on my perspective. She knows from my brother's sister's perspective, but not me. But I say all that to tie it back into the Awakening Codes. I started, 9-11 happened. I remember what happened. It, I was going to school in Tomball, Texas, which is a little rural, small town outside of Spring and Houston. And... We this house it was it was amazing. It was probably my favorite house of all the houses we stayed in. Um, it was everything was on one floor. We had this pit where you could walk down, and we all had like it like the whole wall was set up like uh, one of the uh, couches with the the I guess what is it, the connected couches, but it was like in the wall. It was basically an office building turned into a house. It was dope as hell. Um, me and my brother shared a room. Ashley and Brian they shared a room. And then Lauren, she had her own room. And Raven, I think she stayed in my mom's room because she was the youngest at the time. And then when Erin would come through, she would stay in the uh, guest room outside by the pool. We had an ingrown pool. And I think it was about like 20 feet deep. We had a trampoline. We had a full tennis court, uh, a basketball. Yeah, a basketball court that we put in the ground and that was in the driveway area and I think there was like even an acre of land after all of that this house was dope like it was one of, it's anything you could ever ask for but we didn't have cameras back then so we couldn't do cribs and all that stuff that's when cribs first came out on MTV and everything like that it was, life was good in 2000 1999 2001 for the most part like you know we never wanted to leave I think that still to this day that was my mom's favorite house 13303 Evergreen Drive like, I, I will always remember that house. Um, but at the time, I'm in sixth grade, 2001. And 9-11 happens. But because we're in Texas, they don't tell us what's happening. And I even have a cousin who works in the Pentagon or was working in the Pentagon at the time when that happened. So it, it was pretty crazy. She had just went up there. She had just moved back to Maryland, which is where I'm originally from. I was born in Silver Spring, Maryland. We'll get into that. That's another story because a lot of people do not know that Maryland, Virginia, and D.C. were all one land once before D.C. became its own place. That's not owned by the United States, by the way. Virginia, Maryland, and West Virginia all used to be called the Queen. No, not the Queen. The Virgin Mary. 
This is a fact. This is in your... It's not in your textbooks because they don't tell you this, but there is so much, like... It's a podcast for another time. We'll get into the actual states and the districts of the United States. So, I'm in sixth grade, 2001. It's, like, early in the morning, and... Right away, I'm taking my medicine and I'm going to class and I used to have these huge headphones. If you know me, you always know that I have headphones or I have a speaker. I'm always blasting music. Well, this came from, even when I went to sleep, I would listen to the radio to, to go to sleep. 95.7 the Jazz Station or 94.5 The Buzz out here in Houston. That was my rock station growing up. That's the one station I always had music going, playing nonstop 24-7. And back then I was singing. You know, I was dancing, I was singing, I was um, supposed to become one of these, you know, celebs that does music and dances and everything like that. But it wasn't really me that wanted to do that. It was more so what my mom wanted for me because I was just good at it. But I had a natural taste for music, you know. So sixth grade, 2001, I'm on the bus. I have these huge industrial blue headphones that have a radio on them. It's the headphones that the construction workers wear when they're um, doing their jobs and whatever and they want to listen to music. It had radios and things like that. I don't think Bluetooth was available to us yet. And by us, I mean the, the you know, the working class population. But um, I'm on the radio as I'm going to school and then all of a sudden all the, the radio stations get interrupted with this news alert. And I'm getting pissed off because I just want to wind down before I go into class, you know? So we get into class, and then first period, second period, at this point, Harry Potter was huge. You know, I'm reading one of the books in one of the classes, and then all of a sudden, there's this girl named Sarah Shevatar. I had a crush on her for I don't know how long. <laughs> but um, some French girl. And she, uh, she ends up getting pulled out of class, and I'm getting pissed off because I'm like, you know, this is the one period I have with her. I'm trying to do my thing as in sixth grade, you know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I already had a crush on her and everything. And she knew it. We were, like, best friends. But I was on the outside because I'm guessing that was a race thing. I don't know. She, uh, it was just I was, I was that one black kid that had, like, five, six white friends and no black friends at all. <laughs> it was Tomball. I mean, it, it really wasn't, like, one of those places where mostly there was a lot of black people, you know? It was very rural, very, very country you know back then now it's it's almost city like but it was my safe space i went to beckendorf intermediate and we're in like third period right before lunch and the bell rings and everybody gets pushed out to lunch and then from there like every class after lunch we were just watching movies and i'm like what the fuck is going on something must be up and then all of a sudden, I noticed that everybody was being pulled out of school. And I don't mean just in my class. I mean, everybody was being pulled out of school. And so I'm like, what the fuck? Something happened. Something is going on that y'all aren't telling us. And the teacher just looks at me and she's crying. And her name was Miss Snyder. She was my science teacher. And she's crying. I'm like, why are you crying? She's like, don't worry about it. You'll find out when you get home. And I'm all like, what the fuck does that got to do with me? You know, <laughs> so because I was a troublemaker, my childhood was pretty rough. Because I was always in trouble, you know. I, I didn't know why I was always in trouble, but um, I was always in trouble. I was always doing shit, you know, doing stupid shit. Stealing from my teachers, like, taking their sodas out of the refrigerator. Just dumb shit, you know. And that's also, by the way, kleptomania is a um, side effect of meth. If you didn't know that, you should go look it up. It literally triggers your brain and wires your brain 
to want to take things just for the sake of taking them. Kleptomania comes from being a meth head. And if you've ever dealt with anybody that has meth issues or addiction issues, then you will realize that. Which is why I'm glad I purged that shit out of my system at 16. But, again, parents didn't know, so you can't blame them for their ignorance because they chose not to study. They also fell into the trap of listening to their doctors, which is still what's going on to this day. The doctors are always right, but I don't know when common sense hit me because it was just like, I've since I've known my mom, she's always had a bag of medication. And once I started getting off my medication because of willpower and wanting to be off of it because it just made me felt weird, I started to ask myself, if we were actually sick, how come we've never been healed from the medicine they were providing? You know, and that, of course, led me to etymology and understanding what pharmacy means and literally pharmacy and pharmaceutica. It's all spells. It's all witchcraft. So I was born into a lot of shit. And as the podcast continue, I will break down all of these experiences of why I am so knowledgeable in the areas that I'm in because most of you are watching my life through screens of actors playing it out and have no idea that that's what was going on with me at times, especially like the movie Get Out. That shit was fucking nuts. We didn't find out about Get Out till after we watched it. And then me and my closest, one of my closest friends, um, I call him Thoth. He, <laughs> man, that's a story for another time. But the, I mean, the black kid, white girlfriend, camera around his breath. That was my t- 2015. 2015 all the day, all the way, yo. That's like, oh man, like, that's an, a whole nother story. But so we're in school, third period, lunch is over. All the classes are now starting to teach. Uh, I mean, they're starting to show videos movies and shit just like to keep us all cool and everything and i'm sitting here like bro are we gonna learn you know because that was my that was my uh obsession learning knowledge understanding something you know i i came to school to fucking learn not to be watching i could watch a movie at home you know we had hella movies in and miss snyder she's crying and she just she was like you really want to know what's going on and i was like yeah she was just like the world trade center got hit and i'm like what the fuck is that you know we don't even know what the world trade center is this is what sixth grade I had no idea what it was at the time. So I'm like, oh, okay. I I guess it's important to adults, you know? So, like, the last period comes, Spanish class, and I'm getting out. And I turn on my headphones because she was like, y'all can just color and do whatever the fuck y'all want today. And I'm like, it's Tuesday. Y'all are treating this like it's a Friday. She was like, Angel, don't start. Just, just, you know, just go do something. So I cut on my headphones. I'm like, can I listen to my music? She's like, hell yeah. And so I put on my headphones and I started listening and everybody is talking about these buildings being taken down and all these other things. And so I'm, I'm listening to it. I'm just like, what the fuck? Like, there's no music on the radio right now. Nobody knows. Half the class is gone because their parents came and pulled them out of school. And of course, my mom's still working downtown. So or on the north side. No, not north side. She's on the south side at this point. She works for North Forest. She was working for North Forest at the time. So, you know, black parents. I'm not pulling my kids out of school for that. They're not at war with us, <laughs> you know. Alms in here. <clears throat> All my brothers are in school. <clears throat> I get out first. Well, no, I get out second. Aaron got out first. She was in junior high. So we get out. We're riding the same bus, and I'm sitting up front. She's sitting in the back with all the seniors, you know. That's just, just how it went. And I cut on my headphones, and there's still no music on, and I'm just pissed off. So by the time I get home, my mom's home at this point and <clears throat> I'm not sure if she was working or she was retired I think by then 2001 yeah because Raven was here so she was retired by then so she was at home all day but she didn't come get us or anything 
I walk into the house after hearing all about this World Trade Center and stuff. And the first thing I have to ask her is like, Mom, we didn't learn anything today. What the hell is the World Trade Center? But before I could finish this thought, on the TV, I see two planes crashing into buildings. And at this time, I'm what? I'm in sixth grade. So 2001, I'm 11 years old. So I see it. And the first thing I say is like, yo, what kind of movie is this? This is dope as fuck. And my mom's like, Richard, this is not a movie. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yes, it is. And she was just like, no, this is not a movie. Immediately, I freeze. Everything clicks. I'm like, that's why everybody was getting pulled out of school. She was like, yes. And I was like, what the fuck just happened? She's like, we were hit by a terrorist attack. And I'm like, what's a terrorist attack? She was just like, kind of like the Columbine. And I was like, but they weren't terrorists. They were kids. And she was just like, terrorist attack. She started explaining to me what a terrorist attack was. So I'm watching it. And all of a sudden, my obsession, you know, because I'm taking this medicine. So I'm, I'm, I stay focused on this shit. It's dark shit. And this is also why I coined the term dark workers. Because a lot of people want to be light workers and don't know what they're asking for. I have always been a shadow worker and a dark worker. You know, never really claimed <clears throat> light worker. Never really got to the light worker side because eh, I'm already full of light. Fuck the light workers. No, no offense to all of, all of you special ones, but that whole positive rainbows and sunshine, think happy thoughts, shit. Yeah, okay, whatever. What are you, Mary Poppins? Like that. It, uh, Equal balance. That's another rant for another time. Anyways, so she's telling me what happens. I'm looking at all the news reports. And at this point, I was a mentee with the Big Brothers Big Sisters program. My big brother was uh, Ken Rogas. And he was one of the guys that pretty much tried to mold me in business and just, you know, having a positive life versus always being a pessimist, I guess, or narcissistic. Because I was so, <laughs> I was so optimistic about dark shit. <laughs> like, my mind goes dark really, really quick. But it's like a happy dark. It's like Tim Burton style type dark, Edgar Allan Poe type type dark. You know, I love the occult. I love the darkness, but not the rules of the occult. Like, it intrigues me because it's supposed to be out of reach, and yet. We don't realize we practice these methods in our everyday lives because we're taught that they're good methods, not realizing that it all comes from occult knowledge. This is something that you have to, the more you know yourself, the more you start to understand. And at this time, I was in love with everything that insulted my own soul because that was the way of the world. We, our generation grew up on war destruction, celebrating drugs and gun violence and that is why I don't have a lot of respect for authority figures, not because they're not in respectable positions, but it's because they condoned a lot of the shit that they now lock up most of our generation for when they were the ones feeding it to us in the first place. Again, another rant for another time. Um, so she's telling me what happened. I'm watching the news reports. Immediately, my big brother calls me that weekend. I think this was Tuesday, so by Friday, he calls me, and he's like, I already know you're interested. I have nothing but news reports. I was gathering so many news articles from Newsweek to USA Today to the Times Square. Like, I, I, 9-11 was like my peak point into figuring out what the fuck was going on in the world. And that is when I started studying about terrorists, Osama bin Laden, Al-Qaeda, and everything like that. And the shit just didn't make sense to me. I was like, 
Bro, with all the movies that we've seen, you're telling me that the military could not take out planes and all kinds of shit, right? I'm like, y'all allow these planes to fly into these buildings. Like, this is not real. This is some movie type shit. This is TV. This is not real. And a lot of people are like, oh, you just can't handle reality. And I'm like, this reality is not fucking real. There's no way that these niggas got away with doing this shit. And nobody on the fucking plane beat these niggas ass. Like, come on. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, and at this point, I didn't know I was just braver than most. Like, I had always been the, you know, just get the shit done and then deal with the consequences later type person. Fire sign, Sagittarius, Sagittarius. You know, then Gemini Moon, Virgo Minute. Like, bro, like, I'm not with the dumb shit. Like, if something has to be done, we take care of it right then and there, and then we keep it moving so we can laugh about the shit later. And I guess my first experience with being brave would be at eight, there was this uh, girl that came over to the house. She had her family, she was part of the family. Um, there were like five other siblings of hers. We were all having a pool party. I don't know whose birthday it was, but we were having a pool party. And our deep end, we, like my mom's kid, all my mom's kids that she adopted, she made us learn how to swim at like three years old. So like swimming was natural for us. Um, the story for me learning how to swim back in the house in Conroe was, uh, I, I guess my older sisters were in the pool and I just walk up to the pool because I wanted to be like them. And I jump in the water and not knowing how to swim and everybody rushes to my aid. But before they get to me, I just started doggy paddling. And they were like, what the fuck? <laughs> and so like, uh, JC, I guess he threw me back in the pool and I just, I just doggy paddled all the way back to the uh, side of the wall until I got to it. And it's kind of how I, I taught my daughter how to swim. She, she, she self-taught, you know, we're, we're water babies. So it, it's... We've always had a pool or we've always been able to go to the neighborhood pool because they were always in the gated communities. And around this time at eight years old, this is a side note. This is an example of awakening without being aware. Because, see, the first podcast is about awareness and coming into that awareness. This podcast is before I came into awareness. So everything I was doing was on autopilot. So this girl, her name was Precious. She jumps off. She, first off, she sees me, my little brother, and all my sisters. We're all younger than her. We can swim in the deep end, no problem, no, no floaties, no nothing. You know, we know how to tread water and everything. Self-taught. Because my mom was like, what, 55, 60 at this time? She, could, she wasn't teaching us how to swim. You know, she, she barely got in the pool. My mom hated outside. She hated the outdoors. She liked being there when it was shade and she had an umbrella. She's a classy old woman. You know what I mean? Very sophisticated, you know, <laughs> bougie as hell. My mom is my mom. But, um... Me and my little brother, we were the ninjas of the family. We were the daredevils. I was jumping off roofs and doing all kinds of crazy shit into the pool and everything like that. You know, used to get my ass in trouble all the time. <laughs> so at this point of the story, we are in the deep end swimming. And this girl named Precious, she decides to get on the diving board and jump off. We did not know she could not swim. So we're thinking she's like us and everybody else can swim. And then she jumps in the pool and I had just got out and I'm looking at the edge and then she goes under and there's nobody else in the pool because they're all on the, well, they're in the pool, but they're at the, uh, the shallow end. She's in the deep end, which this was an in-ground pool and we could, uh, we could make, make it as deep as we want. We filled it with the hose and everything like that. And then we had a pool guy to come and clean it. So while she's, she's, um, she's, she goes under, you know? 
Brandon off off top the Aries of the family. He jumps into the water like he already knows what it is. So he's run, running to her age. He jump he jumps to her. My mom's just screaming. She's like, "Somebody get her! Somebody get her!" Brandon already goes in. Immediately he gets up to her and she kicks him under. So now both of them are drowning. I'm like, "Oh fuck!" <laughs> you know, nobody thinks to grab the uh, the um, the net pole, the long like 20 inch net pole that you can pull out and have somebody grab it. She's panicking and just kicking. Brandon's under her feet. So I'm like, "What the fuck?" Immediately my body gets up, I jump into the water, and I literally swim all the way to her, and I put my my left hand under her neck, and I carry her with two fingers all the way to the wall to where she starts breathing. I immediately go back under, and I grab Brandon, and I pull him out of the water, and he's coughing up water. My mom's just looking at me like, what the fuck? And I was just calm as shit. I didn't even realize what I did. I'm just like, what? It's just natural to me. It's natural swimming, you know? I'm not knowing that I just saved their life. I didn't know they were drowning. I just knew that they were having trouble. And Brandon hadn't come up in like two seconds. So I was like, what the fuck? I don't want him swallowing water because that shit's annoying. You know, I'm, I'm a child at this point. I'm eight years old, 10 years old. You know, I'm in between that age. And I'm not thinking of anything that could be life-threatening. I'm just like, it's just natural to me. That was the first time I realized that... I could do things in the heat of right around the corner. I could do things um, and not realize the consequences of my actions or just how severe me not acting would have become had I not acted. So um, that's one example of bravery that I'm talking about in being an autopilot. You like you've been doing everything you're supposed to be doing since you were a child. You just didn't know it. And so to bring this back into perspective, we're going back to um, 9-11. It happens. He calls. My big brother calls. And he has all these articles. And I just started reading them. And I started highlighting things. I started circling things. I became obsessed with it. And the reason what fueled my obsession was because I had just got it into Jane Dixon, I think. This was a seer for um, the Kennedys. I think her name was Jane Dixon. I'm not sure. I would have to go back in my mom's library collection and look around. But, you know, whenever I got in trouble, because I was always in trouble as a kid, um, I was forced to read. You know, I was forced to sit down. My mom took my video games away, TV time away. Didn't have laptops or computers back then. I didn't have a phone. It was a house phone. So I would end up being pushed in a quarter to either do push-ups and work out or I was forced to go do chores outside and then read. That's all I could do. Even took my radio away, which was torture, keyboard, all that. So I I started reading. And instead of getting mad with reading, I started finding books that I wanted to read. And there were two um, authors that I ended up reading. Um, One book was Nostradamus' Quatrains, and he became my mentor in the psychic world for a long time because of 9-11. 9-11 was predicted by him. And when it happened, I was so obsessed with finding out what really was going on. I could not like just take down what everybody was telling me about the situation that happened. So I ended up uh, looking at what he was saying about it. And he referenced it like over 12 times, I think, in that book. And so I'm trying to like, you know, play detective with the shit. I grew up reading Encyclopedia Brown, Choose Your Own Adventures, um, Sally Jesse, or not Sally Jesse Raphael, that's the show my mom watched, uh, Sweet Valley High, 
the the books um what else what other books did i read um Sacopedia brown um calvin and Hobbes. i was just in the books that allowed the person to like really investigate shit you know the harvey the hardy boys and things like that and so reading nostradamus i started looking around and trying to get clues of what happened in 9-11 and then, of course, that was just my dark mind being activated, and I was just into it. And so we fast forward from 2001 to 2003, when I'm 13, I started seeing the numbers. By then, by this time, my mental had gotten a little bit darker than usual, and I ended up on the Prozac. And so while I'm on the Prozac, I'm having a mental reaction because I'm not only taking Prozac at this time. I'm also taking Clonidine, Risperidol, Adderall, all these things, but I didn't need them. And there was this voice in my stomach that always told me I did not need this shit. Why are you taking it? So I used to take the pills and I would sell them in high school because the kids would want them. And I'm sitting here looking at them like, what the fuck do y'all want this shit for? I didn't even know what I was doing at the time. I, I just like, yeah, I got it. I was, I was generous like that. So I was just like, yeah, I got it here. I don't want it. I don't need it. I didn't like the way it made me feel. Well, um, I'm walking through the park as I cut through this huge park of Herman to go finish something else that I have to get done. But um, that's what those are all the voices. Anyways, I ended up uh, having mental reactions. You know, birds started talking to me and everything like that. And I'm I don't know that I'm hallucinating or that I'm high. You know, <laughs> so um. On the Prozac, by this time, what, 2001 passed, 2003, 2011, I was 11, or 2001, I was 11, 2003, I was 13. So no, it's not even 2013, or 2003, it's 2005, which would make me 15, right? Yeah, because that's when I was in ninth grade. I'm still on the Prozac and everything like that. So I take the Prozac, and I started seeing these numbers, but I never knew what it meant, and I mean, I'm saying three, 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 eleven, eleven, and thirteen, thirteen. At this time, I didn't know that I was born uh, at eleven, eleven. I didn't know anything about it. I just knew that I was born on December twelfth, and I always used to laugh at that because I was like, I was born on twelve, twelve, bitch. You know, like I would tell that to everybody, and they'd be like, Oh, that's dope. I'm all like, Hell yeah! But I don't realize what it means, you know. So, two thousand five comes around. And I'm just graduating from ninth grade and somebody had mentioned, dude, your name's Angel and the way you move and glow, the way you sing, because I had to sing at all my graduations and everything like that. I was the one that was chosen to sing. And they were like, bro, you might be an angel. And I was just like, "Okay, weirdo. You know, I really wasn't in to even though I was brought up Christian, I always felt dead in there. Literally, every church I went to, I was the guy that whenever they were like, hey, get up and greet your neighbors. I'm like, yeah, no. <laughs> you know, until my mom gave me that look where she takes her glasses off and puts them on her nose and she's looking at you like, nigga, get the fuck up. <laughs> so I'm sitting here like, oh, I'm, I'm not even like trying to pay attention to everybody. I'm trying to like be as busy be as introverted as possible because of course we're all drugged up anyway so it's just like no i don't want to talk to nobody <laughs> just leave me alone you know we're I'm, I'm here i'm at church like i what more do you want from me you know and so um it's 2005 15 this woman says this at my uh ninth grade uh choir graduation thingy and i didn't know what that meant we ended up moving from spring to the cypress area and while I'm in the Cypress area, I'm going to Cy Falls 
and the shit was just getting worse and dosages were getting pushed up and i was just bruh by this time we're like i'm in 10th grade brandon's in eighth grade um ashley's in ninth grade <laughs> like we're all like a year behind each other in school so we're we're all just bad influences on each other and i'm the ringleader of course because i'm the oldest of the middle kids i'm the oldest of the youngest ones so little do i know that the shit that i'm doing is like affecting them because they're looking up to me for an example and this is really where awakening takes off like not being aware but i mean rising into power um i ended up dropping out of 10th grade the fall semester and my options were there were some things that happened which i won't really go into but you know troubled adolescent (laughs) you know i wasn't going around fucking smoking weed or anything like that and you know i didn't start smoking weed till after i was like 23 but um i was drinking at the time like i was shit and it wasn't even heavy alcohol it was like the light shit but i mean i was getting it where i could and i was smoking black and miles then and so my mom she saw it and she was just like you're a horrible example of an older brother and you're just a bad influence you gotta go and all this other shit so i'm just like okay mom <laughs> so she was like you're either gonna drop out of school and go get a job and i think that was the, the the key point for her was like all of us ran away and we snuck into this house party and shit um and like we were gone for like three days so the cops got called and <laughs> like uh black kids doing white kid shit you know privileged white kid shit we didn't we didn't know what the fuck we were doing but that's just how we were raised well it wasn't how we were raised that's just what we were raised around so it was a normal shit but my mom didn't want us to be normal so she tells me since i'm the ringleader that i had two choices i could go to a military school or i could drop out and get a job and me personally i'm like mom i'm what 15 16 was gonna fucking hire me and the one job that i did have it was boring as fuck it was fucking retail at a grocery store i didn't want to do that shit <laughs> i'm just real with it so i'm over here like swiping black and miles and shit as i go to work that's the only reason why i like going because I, I would be able to smoke and then i could drink and i think after that whole runaway incident we ended up i ended up getting pushed out to this military school out in galveston and i'm there for six months no before i get there there was another school that i was going to so i dropped out of side falls and i ended up going to houston can academy over here on Sunnyside, downtown Houston. I had to walk like two and a half hours. So like, because I was on the north side, I would walk to the north side parking ride. Then I would catch the bus for another hour sitting and I would just fucking go to Houston Can for like four or five hours. And it was a program to like continue school. She just wanted me out of public school. And around this time, my mental was so bad that um, my issues, my psychological issues were so bad she's thinking it's me i know it's the fucking medicine because you know it got to the point where she was making sure i was taking the medicine she would make me open my tongue because i was the type of person that had it on my tongue and spit it out or she would catch it in the fucking trash can she'd see it in the toilet not fully dissolved and shit like that so she was just like oh no i'm paying all this medicine paying all this money for this medicine you're gonna take it so having your own child as you get older and you realize this shit is just like just bad abuse it's drugging your kids i don't fault her for it because she was not even if she was aware, nigga, ish, she's 80. The fuck? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Apparently, this is what the fucking older generation thought was the way to go in America because that's what they were brainwashed to believe. That your kids, if they don't act like this or act like that, then there's something wrong with them. Hey, let's medicate them. Me, I'm so not with that shit. So, 
we're taking the Prozac. Well, I am. And I get pulled in the Houston Can Academy, got to wear uniforms and shit. It was like alternative school before alternative school. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't bad enough to go to alternative school because I had great grades, but they weren't reading, meeting my mom's expectations as a school teacher. You know, I'm over here making B's and C's and my mom knows that I'm supposed to be making straight A's because I've shown that I can make straight A's. And I'm just like, man, fuck school. <laughs> you know, at this point, it's just like, what's the point? I just want to get out and go to work anyway, make money and own my own businesses. And so I had already knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to travel. I wanted to do the things that I never got to do as a kid because we were always fucking, you know, traveling to do dance competitions and sing and shit like that. And I just wanted a normal life, you know. So I guess me taking the medicine, the way I was acting on it, I was rebelling. And I was doing things that would get the attention of my mom because it's the middle child. Middle child never gets any attention. And then all the attention that was being given to me was attention I didn't want because it was for things that I didn't want to do. It was for things that I was good at doing and great at doing, but I just did not give a fuck about being able to sing. And then, to me, sing anybody can sing, bro. I, if you get the right teacher and the right lessons and you get you, you practice hard enough, you can sing. It's called carrying a tune. It's not hard. And with the way that they've got all these fucking artists out right now, you find a great engineer and you're good. You're, bink, you're, you're on. You just got to have an image and got to have the people to push you. It, it's really that simple. So singing to me was not that big of a deal. What I didn't understand spiritually was that singing is one of those things that allows you to be in harmony. So because I was singing for so long, my spirit was always intact, even with the medication. I didn't know this until after... 10, 20 years later, you know what I'm saying? So it was like, God was protecting me. Spirit was protecting me even before I came into awareness. And this is why I say you're going to be on autopilot. And then when you switch over from autopilot to manual, that is when you start actually acting in your purpose. That is what's happening now. So you're coming out of autopilot and all of this connects. Like just listen to, if you have to listen to this podcast more than once, that's fine. Just, just listen. But, um, let's see, we're at 49 minutes. Okay, so I'm going to Houston Can and, you know, it's dangerous as fuck because I don't know shit about downtown. I'm, I'm, I'm doing this shit alone. You know, my mom's not driving me down here. Sometimes she would send Aaron or Ellen to pick me up. I think it was Ellen. Ellen would pick me up and sometimes I would just have to take the metro home. And that's why I was so used to walking, you know, because uh, I always had these headphones. So because I had these headphones, I had music. So I was good. I was in my own little world, you know? It's just like, bet. I felt like I was grown because I can make my own choices. You know, I make some money on the side and then I can go to McDonald's and eat. And then I could just go to fucking class. Ace the fucking classes because most of the kids that were in the fucking class, they didn't give a fuck about school anyway. They were all there for fucking jurisdiction problems or judicial problems and shit like that. Uh, Challenge youth. And so I'm going through it. But the whole time, I'm still flunking out of school because I can't focus because of this fucking medication. And I keep telling her I shouldn't be on these pills or whatever. Well, one of these days, I'm walking home. And I told you, it was like a two-hour walk. As I'm walking, there's this bird, this black raven. And it just flies up to my shoulder, and it sits on it. And it, it just it opens its mouth, and it starts speaking to me. And it says, it starts speaking like a weird-ass language, and then it starts saying these fucking numbers. And I'm like, dude, I have to be hallucinating because there's a bird that is talking to me in weird languages and speaking numbers at the same time. And then from that moment forward, every fucking day for about 30 days, I was saying 1111, 333, 222, 777, 555. And it got so bad to the point that I really could not fucking think straight. And so 
I started talking to my mom and I started telling her, I was like, mom, I know you told me to tell you about certain things that were happening to me. So I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. And I told her. And basically what I told her was that I was seeing repeated patterns of numbers and I don't know what the fuck this shit means. And she was just like, maybe you're just hallucinating. So they ended up taking me to this fucking psychiatric place where they did the fucking Ruger's test, I guess. The test is like the test where you have to look at these cards and um, you tell them what you see. And all the cards, I swear to you, all the cards I saw, I was just like, this, that, and the third. And I'm like, that's a fucking demon. That's this, that's that. I'm seeing the Balfamet and all the shit in it. And the guy puts the cards down, looks at my mom and says, there's nothing wrong with him. He's fine. And in my head, I'm like, what the fuck? How am I fine? At this point, she's getting ready to take me off the Prozac because she knows something's up. She's like, there's no way that he's fine if he's failing still. And we pulled him out of public school. And he's complaining about headaches. He's complaining about hallucinating and animals talking to him and things like that. Dude tells her that he's fine. Of course, white fucking doctor. Of course, my mom, she believes him because he's got a degree and all this shit. So I just told her straight up. I was like, mom, I'm not taking that fucking medicine no more. (laughs) And she was just like, okay, that's more money in my pocket. I don't have to pay for it. And I was like, no, I'm serious. I'm not taking that medicine anymore. She thought I was joking. And I stopped taking it. I just didn't want to take the medicine anymore because I knew that that was a major portion of everything that I was going through. So years pass. Hold on, we're going to uh, slow it down for part part one. So we're stopping this at... Um, I stopped the Prozac. And by this time, I'm 16. This is right before I get shipped off to military school. So... 16. I'll be back. All right, we're back at it. Part two. A thought came to me as I'm walking through this park. All these fucking squirrels are following me. Birds are fucking chirping. It makes sense why I'm so close to nature now. Because it was like a blanket that protected me when I was young and taking all these walks to go to school and things like that. Um, so, 16, and I stopped Prozac, and then I ended up going to military school. The military school wasn't like a prestigious military academy. It was a school for fucking juvenile delinquents who didn't want to fucking do what was right and they were on their last leg they had to go to jail or they had to go here and complete it for six months you graduate you get your high school diploma or GED and then basically you sign up to go into the military they were forced to go I volunteered (laughs) my dumb ass volunteered because I felt any place was better than being at home and I didn't want to fucking you know keep dealing with the pressures of you know just I was I was I wasn't shit (laughs) you know at that time I was not shit I was not living up to the expectations that people wanted of me and it just seemed like it was getting worse the medicine the headaches just there was no peace there was no peace I just wanted to be surrounded by my music and then I was doing dumb shit like fucking uh shoplifting and you know just just Shoplifting's. Uh, I think I stole a car once. Uh, ended up, 
got played. My first encounter with a woman, I got played by a fucking 14-year-old Hispanic chick. I think she was 14. She might have been 13. I was, like, 15. But it was just, like, in Texas, you can be tried as an adult at 16. So at that time, it was too close to be something um, other than statutory. And no, no sex was involved. But at the same time, I was found in this girl's house. And we're sitting up here drinking. And she's, like, what, 13? But she's going to high school because she was smart as fuck. And... She didn't look like a 13-year-old. I didn't know. I didn't think that people were out there doing dumb shit like that. So there was a lot of events that took place within these six months. Me drinking, um, me smoking blacks, you know, me saying I'm going to work and I'm not. Like, my, my childhood was fucked up. <laughs> like, I was, it was great, but at the same time, like, there was, it wasn't all fucking sunshine and rainbows. Like, I did a lot of stupid shit. And I'm a better man because of it, but I know the youth. Like, I lived that whole, like, running around and fucking leaving the house at night, sinking out of windows and shit like that. People just don't talk about that shit. I've never forgotten that shit that I've done. <laughs> like, that, that was some of my best times in life because I felt alive as fuck. I was making my own choices. They were bad choices, bad, bad choices. But at the end of the day, I ended up getting caught up in that girl's house by her dad late at night, and that wasn't cool. And so I leave the next day. And my mom was like, nope, that's it. You got to go. And she basically saved my life because the guy, he didn't want to fucking uh, press charges or anything. He was Hispanic. They weren't going to press charges or nothing like that because they knew that their daughter was fast already, which is a fucking shame because I was the first guy that they caught in the house, you know. But at the same time, he was just like, let me guess. She told you she was 14. I was like, yeah. He was like, no, she's fucking 13. And I'm, I'm 16, 15 at the time. So it's not that bad, big of a deal. But because you're black in Texas and um, this girl's like fucking... Uh, Hispanic And you come from a family of black women Yeah, it, it was all bad Like they treated it like I did everything wrong And I should have known better Because I was smart as fuck to know Not to be at somebody's house after midnight Especially a, a woman And then when they found out her age They were just like, bro, <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? So at this time, I'm still a virgin though I was still a fucking virgin um, I didn't lose my virginity until I met my wife My ex-wife anyway So that that's the cool thing It was It's just like when you rehash these stories you look at where you've been protected i've gotten out of a lot of places that i probably should not have been able to get out of and because i have like you you just can't tell me that god isn't real like of course i was naive as fuck and foolish as shit but you can't there is a passage in the bible that talks about how god protects orphans as if they were his own kids like he loves and protects everybody but he specifically takes care of orphans and i found that passage back in bible study when i was like eight years old and it always stuck with me that one stuck with me for a long time because there was so much shit that was going on that was not being taught to me it was it was just it was one of those um it was one of those upbringings of do what I say, not as I do. And if you don't do otherwise, you got to go. It's my way or the highway type thing. Like I said, my mom was born. My mom's older than Donald Trump. See what I'm saying? Like, it's not by much, but she's in that same range bracket. So, like, when people come to me with problems and things like that, and they're like, how are you so wise? And shit, you have to understand, I'm the middle child of, like, four different generations in my family. They're, the youngest is... She just turned 19. And then we've got nieces that are like 17 and 18. And then the oldest is my mom being 80, 81. 
And then the oldest sibling would be like 56. She's old enough to be like half of y'all's moms. And my mom, you know, my mom is like my grandmother's age, you know. So there's nothing but wisdom and just pure iron fist teaching and parenting techniques that were reinstituted in me, which is why I can come off so rigid, but yet flow so fluidly and freely. So I'm not tooting my own horn. That's just, it is what it is. Like I said, most of the things that y'all experience are what was happening with me in my everyday life. And it's crazy to see it on the screen because it lets me know that there are two different things going on in paradigms. And like, there's so many timelines because like I said, it, it just, it gets crazy. Basically, if you've never seen Slumdog Millionaire, you should go watch that. Slumdog Millionaire, it's a great movie. And I'm not sure who the director is. I want to say Steven, but I don't think it's him. Slumdog Millionaire, or it might be Sha- Sha- Shyamalan. It's one of those. I'm not going to act like I know. I don't. Um, just go watch Slumdog Millionaire. And how he goes through his life before he wins the millions and how he wins the million dollar the game that is how my life plays out like i literally do not make this shit up i'm literally just winging it and because i'm just winging it you will see the autopilot and where i actually was like okay cut the autopilot off i'm in control now so we are at getting off the prozac going into military school and by this time, I had already read all the Harry Potter books and except for like the ones that weren't out yet because this is what still, I graduated 2006. So this is what, 2006 summer, right before I go. Um, the numbers thing was just insane. And I'm 16 at the time when this was happening. Uh, 222, 333, 1111. I'm seeing 1111 everywhere. Had no idea what it was. At this time, I didn't know shit about birth charts. I didn't know that me being born 1212 at 1111 was very significant. I didn't know that my numerology numbers 36669 being a master 33 was very significant. I knew none of this shit. But it made sense as I got older because everybody was coming up to me like I was like the master or like I was like the teacher and all this shit. And so I had to hold myself like that. And deep down inside, I just wanted to fucking live, bro. I just wanted to be a fucking child. It's why I don't want fame. I never wanted fame. I never wanted to uh, be in a spot. I was always in the spotlight. So it was, a, it was like a fight. You know, if I wasn't in the spotlight for something good, I was in the spotlight for something bad. Even at the fucking military school, I was the one that was chosen to fucking sing the fucking national anthem. I was the one that was put on the spot to fucking um, lead this fucking uh, step team and shit like that. It was just like, bro, pick someone else, <laughs> you know, like, damn. And that is why I shun. I don't shun it. I run and rather be behind the scenes, behind the camera. And I think it has a lot to do with my past life because my past life, I was a Leo. And it's funny because I married a Leo <laughs> and all my exes got Leo in either Leo rising or Leo moon. It's weird. But um, it was, uh, I guess I was famous in a past life, you know, and that's how I was killed. So that fear still comes through this life because it's just like, when you realize you're in the shit, on stage you know exactly what celebs are going through when it comes to not making their own decisions being manipulated into making certain choices doing things that they have to do and the people that are doing it they hide it so well and they will tell you that it's not that but if you go look up Sharon Iglehart my psychiatrist 
Go look at her fucking mugshots. You cannot tell me that woman is fucking human. And see, most of the medication that's given to star seeds, given to indigos, given to crystals, rainbows, earth angels, dark workers, shadow workers, healers, just period. For the generation that's coming up, we are the superhero generation. Look at all the cartoons that we watched in the 90s. They were all about superheroes fighting evil and overcoming darkness. You know, we came up in the Star Wars generation. We came up in the Dragon Ball Z generation, the Naruto generation, the Sailor Moon generation, Roni Kenshin. Everything that we came up watching on regular TV, which was our brainwashing programs from the Thundercats all the way up to Bobby's World. And, um, yeah, bro, I go back. You know what I'm saying? I'm there. I'm with it, fam. Like, um, if you go through that and you actually sit down and watch it, Ren and Simpy, I remember Ren and Simpy was like considered the uh, family guy of this, of cartoons. We were not allowed to watch that or The Simpsons. And every time we got caught watching it, which was always, dude, it was hell. It was hell to pay. <laughs> so basically we were already programmed to become who we are becoming and we weren't never in full awareness of it so when i went to military school and i'm getting told to do all this shit bro my military school had branches of all military i was trained by a guy that worked in area 51 at 16 who told me about witches aliens and all this shit and was like i can't tell you that they're real i can't tell you that they're not real but this dude was friends with william cooper and I'm talking about the Cooper. Like, he has his books and everything signed by the guy. He had pictures with the guy. I didn't know who this nigga was. At the time when he was telling me all this shit, I was like, okay, why do you are you showing me a picture of some old white dude that was extra special in the military and in Navy intelligence and all this other shit? I didn't know what that shit was. But um, he was friends with him. And he had his own story growing up about how his mom was a witch and everything like that. And somehow he came through all of that, ended up going into the military, worked for the Air Force, and ended up becoming Air Force Intelligence and worked on Area 51. There was another guy who was an Army Ranger who worked in, uh, he was at the, I think the Kuwait War in 93 or 94 or whatever. And I remember him telling us war stories and how, like, it was one of the fastest wars they ever had where they were out there, they fired off this weird um, weapon and the weapon was invisible. It was like a hearing weapon and they played it. And the reason why the war was so quick was because the people came out of their bunkers and everything waving white flags because they could not hear. I don't know, it was like a sonic wave weapon. This was back in the 90s, like early 90s, it was like four years old. And he's telling us his stories at the military school. There was another guy, Tail Streeter. I still remember his last name, Streeter. He was this big, huge black fucking ex-linebacker and was supposed to go pro and then ended up getting injured and didn't go pro, so he was giving back. That dude gave me hell. <laughs> that dude gave me hell because he saw my potential and he was just like, nigga, like, you know, get your shit together. Um, T.L. Foster, the Navy SEAL. This dude literally got hit by an 18-wheeler, got out the hospital within a week and was back teaching us life skills and stuff in a wheelchair. <laughs> like he was on a bike and he got hit by an 18 wheeler broke his legs came back to work a week and a half later and was in a wheelchair and was still training and trucking around like it was nothing you know i was raised by tough shit like that's army ranger that's uh navy seal that's artif that's uh, not artificial but uh area 51 um area intelligence and then there was um this other guy i can't remember he was like my favorite um team leader 
he was Hawaiian and he was like Samoan or Hawaiian and Indian, but he was into uh, MMA and he was our self-defense teacher and he would teach us most of the martial arts that I learned from there, Krav Maga, Judo and uh, Capoeira and Muay Thai. Like it was a mixture of all of those. He was our fitness uh, coach and everything like that. So running miles and just trekking through the fucking glorious state of Texas through Galveston and doing community service and cleaning up projects puts a lot of shit in perspective, like of how much I was being like brainwashed through my reality into becoming who I'm becoming now. Because if it wasn't for those experiences, I'd probably be on a lot darker path. Um, But so the awakening, of course, once I get here, I'm around nothing but males. And then there was a girl division that was uh, there was a girl division on the other side of the campus. And basically, uh, one of the kids that I went to school with in spring, spring high, she was over there. She's like, what the fuck are you doing over here? You're the last person I thought to see you over here. And I'm all like, nigga, I had options. And mom was like, here, you do this or you do that. And I was like, nigga, I'm going to school. <laughs> and she was just like, okay. And she's like, bro, you don't like, you like it here? And I was like, no, but it's an escape. I'd rather be here than home, you know? And that was escapism. I didn't realize that I was escaping, but I needed that because I didn't have to take medication anymore. They were still feeding me Ritalin. They still, well, it wasn't Ritalin then, it was Adderall. They were still, because I was still on that prescription, they were still trying to feed it to me. But the Prozac and all that other shit, I didn't take it. And my team leader, he realized that whenever I took that medication, that I would just like shut down. I would introvert and I would become very, very calm. I would live with from within versus being very external and very uh, extroverted. So he had stopped giving it to me and he was just like, you seem to be better without it. I was like, I don't need this shit, but hey, I only do it because, you know, I have to take it. Y'all niggas gonna sit up here and trip if I don't. And I'm just trying to get this fucking GED high school diploma and get the fuck up out of here. So I end up uh, getting my uh, diploma. But before I get it, one episode, this, this is one thing that happened in 2006 at this military school. So we were, um, I think I said this story already in one of my other podcasts on 3D. But, uh, I'll tell it again. We're saying the Pledge of Allegiance one day. It's general quarters. We're outside. Parking lot. It's full as fuck. And we're all in ranks. We're all in formation. And we're wearing our battle dress uniform. And I'm saying the Pledge of Allegiance. And I get to... What what part is it? Pledge of Allegiance to the flag. As soon as I get to the flag, everybody goes silent. So I'm looking around their lips are moving they're still saying the pledge but it's like in slow motion and i ended up waving my my hand in front of this guy that was standing next to me to see if he could hear me because i'm sitting here like yo what the fuck's going on and he's not answering back so i'm like yo can this nigga hear me like what the fuck and i wave my hand inside him he doesn't see shit he doesn't even notice it was like i got trapped into my own fucking dimension and i'm looking straight and about 100 yards off maybe 200 there's this building and if you've ever been to Galveston the building that I'm talking about is the building that holds the ferry and there's a high-rise building behind it well on this building from where we were at you could see the high-rise part and this I I swear it was like I had heat vision this red looking figure comes out of nowhere 
and it starts pointing at me while everybody's saying the pledge. All this took place in the time it takes to say the Pledge of Allegiance. So he says the pledge, or we're, we're saying the pledge, and then it's just like the world goes silent and I see this shit. And it's like I have, it's like looking through a fucking peephole in a door. It's heat vision. And this red figure comes out of nowhere. And in the time it takes to say the pledge, all of this took place. This red figure comes out of nowhere. It's standing on top of the building and it points directly at me. And as it points directly at me, there's this fucking loud ass noise coming from under the ground. So I'm looking at this red thing and then I look down because I'm scared as fuck right now. And I'm looking, I'm looking down and it's like, I can't see anything under the ground, but I can hear it. All I hear is this chanting and it's like a different language. I don't know what the fuck I'm hearing, but I can just hear it and it's loud as fuck. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? So I look back up and it waves at me and it points again. And I still remember what it looks like. If you've ever played um, Mortal, Mortal Kombat, uh, I guess we'll go with 10 because 11 just came out. So 10, when Shinnok took his beast form, that's what this figure looked like. It had two horns and it was all red, but it wasn't red like a color red. It was red like energy, like a ball of energy. When you look through the peep, peephole and you see heat vision, like you can see somebody in front of you, you know, that's what this thing took. But it's like 200 yards off and it's point, only when it points at me do I hear the chanting. And I look down and then I look back up and it's still there. And then this blue one comes out of nowhere and it walks up to it and it bows down to it. And I'm just stuck in paralysis. I can't move. I can only move my head. Nobody seems to fucking hear me when I'm speaking. And after I get, like, when this blue thing pops up, I go into paralysis because I'm sitting here like, Parker, do you hear this shit? Like, Parker, do you see this? And he's like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about after this shit took place. But the whole time during it, he was not listening to me. So I'm seeing the shit and it was like a fucking vision. I put my head down. The chanting is louder. The blue thing walks up to the red thing and fucking bows down to it. And nobody is there to fucking explain to me what the fuck is going on. So after this happens, of course, this is like summer 2006, Galveston Island. And I'm sitting here panicking as fuck. I wrote to my pastor. Her name was Cynthia Hunter. She died, though. Like, she died, like, last year. Rest in peace. Um, I wrote to her because it was like being in jail at that place. And, of course, her fucking typical response would stop reading all the Harry Potter books. Like, that, that was her only response. She was like, your mom told me that you read Harry Potter. You should probably stop reading those books. It's dangerous. It's magic and all this other shit. And I'm sitting here like, what? This has nothing to do with Harry Potter. Like, I haven't even read that book in, like, fucking four weeks. So, you know, you're telling me it's Harry Potter this and Harry Potter that. And I'm sitting here seeing this shit that has nothing to do with it. And the thing about it was the, um, the moment this shit happened... By the time I came to, everybody was already running back, and I was the only one in the parking lot, and Parker was sitting here, standing next to me, and he was like, bro, are you okay? And I had tears running down my face. And what happened with me before I came into awareness, remember, this all happened before I was pulled off Earth. Um, and this is why I tell people, I, I finally believe, and honestly believe, I accidentally, non-accidentally ascended. Like, I ascended without trying to without wanting to, without even knowing anything about ascension. It just naturally happened. And then as I became aware of what was going on, the more I started learning what, what happened to me, it's like I'm trying to put the pieces back together 
of what I was actually living through between the ages of three all the way up to 23. Because for the most part, everybody thinks I went to the military and was like, oh, he's a great dad and all this shit. Look, nigga, I went to the military because I needed money for college and my mom wasn't paying. And not only did I need money for college, it I need a place to stay. <laughs> I was not your honorable patriot that went because I loved the country and all this other shit, bro. If anybody who knows me in the military, they will tell you, nigga, I was probably the most combative, argumentative sailor in the fucking military because, nigga, I could not be conformed. I was not following the actual rules. I barely got my hair cut at all times. I was like what they call a shitbag sailor. I didn't fucking wear my uniform. I didn't give a fuck about that uniform. Um, and it, it's just real. It, 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 I'm just being honest with you. Like, I felt like I was forced into a hole because of the choices I made with the information that I was giving to either go to the military or do this. And I just thought it was stupid that I had to fucking ask for permission to be married or to get a tattoo. It was just like, bro, what does any of this shit have to do with the fucking job? And of course, everybody else who's like, oh, it's part of the game. You got to play the game. You got to do that. I'm just like, nigga, fuck that. I didn't do it in the room. I'm not going to do it here. Like, you know, the the military was just a job to me. When I got off the fucking bus at Great Lakes and my foot touched down, and that man came at me screaming because I was smiling and happy to be there. I knew, I immediately in my head was like, you're only doing four years and you're getting the fuck out of this shit. You've already started, you've already signed up, ain't no going back now. But I gave them hell. I didn't, I didn't rank up for the first three years in the military. I did not rank up at all. Like, I was always fighting. I was, I was Antoine Fisher, fam. Like, real shit. Like, dead ass. Antoine Fisher all the way. <laughs> Anybody who knows me that was in the military who, who, uh, pretty much helped raise me into the man that I've become now, they know what the fuck I'm talking about. They know I'm not lying to you. Thoth knows. Um, fucking Curtis knows. Uh, like, they were right there in the trenches with me. Fucking Tehran, he knows. Like, bro, I was a problem child. Not because I wanted to be, but because I was just trying to make sense and regain a sense of self because I had, I was one of those kids that was always just doing shit because I was told to do it, you know? And I was fighting what I was being told versus what I figured out on my own and was just like, why do it that way when you can do it this way and it's 10 times easier. But that's also what allowed me to see just how powerful God was because there were a lot of areas in my life, in my childhood that I should not have escaped from unscathed and I did. And still to this day, it's still happening. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, there is a code and a actual genetic and, um, there's a DNA encoded like fate plan that happens with people like us because when you do what everybody else is doing, you get the worst circumstances. And then when you do what you want to do and what you know to do, you get the worst chastisement. You get the worst crucifixion because you're doing things that are so abnormal and out of the box that everybody else tells you to be like society. And then when you start or don't be like society, but then when you're, you're truly yourself and authentic and not doing what everybody else is doing, it's, oh, not like that, don't do it like that, don't do it like this. That That's really the paradigm in here. So it's just like, what the fuck is this shit? Because it makes no sense to me. But to go back to the military school, that was just a side note, I, I do that a lot, you know, as you can see. Um, the uh, school, when this shit happened, of course, so I was telling you that I was, the, the kid noticed I was crying. Well, the reason why I was crying is because whenever spirit really affects me, whenever some outer body experience happens, at the time I didn't know what it was, but my body releases it through silent tears, like they just fall. 
And I never understood what that was until somebody told me, did you know that the phrase in the Bible that is the shortest phrase is Jesus wept? And it always happened when something spiritual happened, like when Satan apparently came to him. And all of these are metaphors and allegories, of course. But when you put it, apply it to your own life and you see your own Jesus experience, you see your own Christ consciousness experience, you see your own ethereal experience, you start to connect the dots. And like I said, I don't have any knowledge other than what I've experienced and what I've read that qualifies me to be some actual teacher and everything. I'm actually just being initiated into teaching Tai Chi and Qui Gong and, you know, the healing arts. But I was raised in so much magic and didn't know it was a cult study or anything like that because it was hidden. It was behind the veil. It was hidden. There was a reason why it was hidden, you know. Um, I used to think I was an agent for the longest, like I was a splinter cell for the longest time because I didn't have any identity. And then once I realized I need to focus on where my actual roots come from, where my actual heritage comes from, and then I had my daughter, my daughter made every all the sense in the world. Like, it was the first, it was my true compass. It was my North Compass. She was the first example of what true love is, but also what true spirit is. And because she was not adopted, because she's allowed to live the life that she lives and because she was not medicated, she shows me everything that I was, am, and could be basically just by being who she is because she's untainted, if, if that makes sense. And so she's a crystal child. She plays a big role in my healing and she's healed a lot of me with just small phrases and simple things. Like um, there's the phrase in the Bible where it says, let us make men in our image and I used to sit up there and come contemplating pondering that all the time and she'd be like daddy why are you why are you studying the book it's not uh, life is out here it's not in that book and I, just the simplest phrases and one of these days she was she was in the house with me and my godfather the one who passed um during Hurricane Harvey and we were having an argument because he was a minister and the argument that we were having was it says in Genesis um let us make man in our image and I was like who the fuck is us and he tried to come up with this long ass explanation of well it was God and Jesus I'm like Jesus wasn't created yet because Adam was still here you know what I'm saying so it couldn't have been Jesus because Adam came before Jesus you know I'm just giving him all the common sense shit and my daughter walks in and she hears the phrase again and she was just like daddy it's simple how do you not get that and I was like what are you talking about and she just looks at me she was just like let us make man in our image and I'm like yeah and she's just like daddy who do I look like and I'm all like me and she's like and and I was like your mom she was like us nigga <laughs> and I'm just like what she's like duh you make it so hard and I'm sitting here like and then my 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 uh, godfather he looks at her and he's like how old is she and I'm like she's uh at the time this was what 2014 so I am 24 so she had to be if she's she's 10 now and I'm 29 she had to be maybe no 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 greater than six or five and when she said it, she said it so strong. Like all her family on her mom's side knows she's an old soul. So when she said it, she meant it. And she was very concrete about it, very strong and stern about it. And she was just like, why do y'all make things so hard? Adults are weird. And, um, and then she just walks off and goes back to playing with her colors and things like that. And I'm just looking at her. She's a Libra, you know, October 1st, 11-11. That's when she was born. And she's just a Libra. <laughs> she just balances everything out. And I look at her and I sat there and I'm like, let us make man in our own image. I look at her mom, I look at me. And I'm like, yo, yo, that makes more sense than saying that it was God and Jesus. Because I know for a fact that I came from a woman. I know that there were women up in the serious star. Like, this is after. This was a year after I got pulled off Earth. 
So I'm like, I knew God was a woman, but the way she made it seem was just like so common sense, like, duh, nigga. Like, and I'm looking at her and my godfather's looking at her because he's had this argument with pastors and they never just made it that simple. And that's why I was like, out of the mouth of babes. Like, the Bible has a lot of good shit in it. It has a lot of truth in it, but it also, it's misleading. It has a lot of deception in it. I would never tell you not to read the Bible. I would never tell you not to go after the Bible. I would just tell you, there's a reason why they tell you to study for yourself because the Bible is just basically a map to yourself. It's the basic instructions before leaving earth. Like when you join the military, you get a guideline book. You get the book for like, depending on what branch, you get a Bible. And that book is for that corporation of that part of the industry you're working in, which is whether it's Army, Air Force, Navy, or Marine, Coast Guard, whatever. And that's what the Bible is. It's for everyday living. But Proverbs and Psalms are spells. Um, numbers is about numerology. Like, it, it, you break it down and you realize that a lot of the stuff they tell you not to do is in the Bible and they were doing it. Like, the astrology. How do they find Jesus? Through the stars. Okay, I'm ranting now. But still. I don't tell everybody everything because it's not meant for everybody. And too much information at one time will have you trapped. And that's what happened to me from 2013 to 2015. I was trapped so far into the hellish dimension that I didn't even understand where I was at and how many sorcerers I was surrounded by, how many evil entities I was surrounded by. You really have to just trust that God is with you. And I guess the reason why I'm giving you all this podcast is because what people don't know about me is before I walked away from the church, because I did, I became a, her- a heretic in their eyes. I became, you know, Back in the day, Christianity was meant to destroy the witches, the healers, the true empaths, the, um, the earth angels of that time, because they didn't want people to be free thinkers. And so if you could think, if you were a scientist, if you were an artist, you were probably killed or executed or destroyed in history and slandered and became broken homeless because um, organized religion wanted to take control and in brainwash the people into only doing and depending on the government and basically i'm saying all this because when you take this path if you are on the outside looking in and you've always felt alone that's a part of the program too you really have to be so well into yourself and rooted down all the way through your feet and soul of your feet there's a reason why your soul's are called souls the feet of your the, the bottom of your feet are called souls for a reason you have to be anchored through that and then all the way up to your crown for a reason because you can easily get knocked off um your alignment and i am coming out of the seven year tribulation in my life and going into the seven years of abundance as we speak um saturn is basically satan manifested physically in your reality and controlling everything that you do especially if you're controlled by saturn and you have to realize where saturn plays a role in your life like right now saturn is in my money house so of course this is my last year that i have to learn all the lessons i need karmically when it comes to finances and understanding money and teaching it's not always a bad thing but because if you were raised upright if you were raised in the christian understanding you're going to think that anything that has to do with saturn or satan is negative and evil and wrong because of the stories but i'm telling you right now with my theory you're already in hell you're rising to go back into heaven most of you are fallen angels most of you are earth angels doesn't mean that you're doomed bro there's a reason why there was a prophet that came and told you that you every soul has to seek out its own salvation um nobody on earth has the power to condemn you anywhere 
they have the power to judge you but they do not have the power to condemn you in that judgment and you have to remember that that judgment cast it is also 10 times um harder for them to escape when they meet that final day of them their higher self versus their lower self so i'm gonna go back to what happened in the parking lot when i realized that um the antichrist was here or that that energy was here it was 2006 and i told you that um when 9 11 happened i was into nostradamus back then i was reading the books and studying his life and learning i didn't know that i was already subconsciously preparing my mind to become one of those types of people but um he also spoke on Hitler, he also spoke on the Antichrist, and he also spoke on World War III. And where we're at now, a lot of his prophecies back then are coming true. The funny thing is, he thinks it was Putin that was going to start World War III. And if you look at what's going on right now, that's fucking nuts because it's happening. You know, a lot of the people don't look at his uh, prophecies as fact until something happens. But if you read most of his books or most of his work, you can see where there was like 50% a chance it happening and 50% chance not happening. I have an idea that that has to deal with the timelines and them being seven different individual timelines that were all living out coexistingly at one time. You know, each day that was created in the Bible was a different timeline. And a lot of people haven't figured that out yet. That's something that I've come to conclusion with, with certain things that have happened. And I will be discussing that in another podcast for the 5D. The next 3D podcast will be about my pharmaceutical battle and how I came into the acknowledgement that I was being drugged as a child, not on purpose, but on purpose. You know, um, like I said, go look up Sharon Iglehart and tell me that she's not a reptilian. Just look at her. Just go look at her. Bro, I was in the shit. Like, I was in it. I'm, I, I was born of it. I was in the shit. So... When I see other people come out and they want fame and they're trying to mask their fame by saying that, oh, we're trying to work on unity and we're trying to do this and that. Nigga, you've always been in unison. Don't let nobody fucking brainwash you. Don't let nobody fucking mislead you because the great deception is happening right now. If somebody's telling you that we need to unify and all that shit, they are working for the globalization of the one world order, which is the new order, which comes from the new world. And America is the new world, which is why they were birthed it. Study Nostradamus. Study some of the prophetic shit. Like... I was born into this shit and I wasn't not even born, just born. I was adopted into it. Like my family is a part of things that I didn't even realize until after I had my own child. And that's why I say my child saved my life. It's why I'm the black sheep. You know, I'm able to talk about it now because I've gotten to the point to where I've already seen how I go out. So uh, I might as well just do what I got to do. You know, it's no more prolonging it. And that's. Part of the reason why I do these podcasts is because when I'm gone, my daughter will have something to remember me by and understand just how deep this was. You know, I barely get to spend time with her, but when I do, it's 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 just preparation for all the good stuff that's coming and getting her set up and being able to do what it is she's supposed to do because she's going to be in charge of a lot of crystals and rainbow children in healing the earth after the its destruction and it all happens simultaneously like one side will be being destroyed while the other side is rebuilding and then that side will be destroyed while the other side takes what they rebuild it over here and brings it over to the other world i mean i know i sound crazy i know i do but if you get it you get it if you don't it's just not meant for you to get yet you know um a lot of the stuff that i was learning 
I was being raised and groomed for and understood. And then I walked away from it all because I realized that it was the opposite of what I wanted. And it was destructive. It was everything felt good and looked good. But inside I was dying. I literally was dying. And until I got reborn and pulled out, did I come into total awareness and completeness of who I was? Because I lived both sides, the dark and the light. And that's why I say I am a sage. I'm not a master. I'm a master. I'm a jack of all trades, but I'm a master of none. Basically, I can do anything and everything, but I choose to do the things that I do because I like the simple life. I like the simple things. If I wanted to be famous, I could call certain people and just push forward certain works and be that. I choose not to because I like the little guy. I'm basically Spider-Man, which was a nickname for me. Back when I was 18, after I graduated and I ended up at Job Corps, they used to call me Spider-Man all the time. So, so um, if you go back to the parking lot incident where that happened, I believe that was the Antichrist energy. 2006 is when the Antichrist was born. That's just my opinion. I can't say that's fact. I can just go off of what I experienced that day, saying the Pledge of Allegiance, the tears falling and just realizing what was being shown to me and how it affected me. And like I said, it's weird because most of the people that are around me for all of these events, I don't know where they're at anymore. I don't know if I'll ever meet them again, but I'm pretty sure I left an impression on them that they will always remember me as like this, just he, he was different. You know, he was weird, he was different, he was eccentric as hell, you know? I didn't really come into full power until after I got pulled out. But before then, like the hints were there. Saving lives. I've saved so many lives. Small people, like people you don't know. Hell, my big brother ended up almost died on me from a fucking diabetes attack. Uh, he, he was low on insulin. And I think I was like eight and I had to save his life. I didn't know what the fuck to do. I just, just moved and I did it and then called 911 and they ended up coming and they were like how the fuck did you know how to do this and all that i was just like i don't know i just paid attention and i observed when he needed candy and things like that and he was shaking and it seemed like he needed some sweet sugar in his body you know shit like that it was just random shit you don't do this shit for fucking accolades and likes and, and follows like you just i'm not one of those people that if i see somebody hurt i'm gonna fucking video camera and be like yo this person's getting beat up no i'm the guy that's probably gonna end up getting killed for helping or jumping in and stopping shit like that's what i've always done that's how i've always done it and it was just in me to do it, you know. So I'm going to end this podcast here. But I wanted to give you some insight on the day that I hacked the Matrix. Because I was, it was 2006 when I graduated. I was 2000, so 2004 and 2005. I was around 13 to 15 years old when I realized about the the synchrosity and numbers and things i just didn't know what to call it i didn't know what it was and a lot of you probably have similar experiences but you didn't you weren't in a total awareness it's one thing to be what they say in rise in full power and then there's another thing to be aware of you rising in full power i was not aware of what was happening around me which is why i tell you i accidentally ascended non-accidentally like it's an accident because i didn't know what the fuck i was doing or what was being asked of me or what was happening with me And if you listen to both of these podcasts, if you listen to this one and then listen to the one before it, you'll understand that. But it's non-accidental because that's the whole purpose of being here in this simulation. That's what it's for. You're supposed to level up. You're supposed to change. If you don't level up, if you don't change and you stay on the same level at all times, you're not going to win the game. If 
one thing you should understand about video games when you're in a simulation if you're going towards the mission and the objective you're supposed to run into obstacles you're supposed to run into enemies and you're supposed to get money those are the top three constants you know you're supposed to get power-ups and life things if you're going away from that and you've already gone through things that you've already beaten you're not going to go anywhere you're not going to gain anything new you might get some coins but other than that you're not going to get any more experience points you see what i'm saying think about life like that and you'll start to understand what's going on with you um i know this was everywhere and i'm still working on my throat chakra to be able to like stick to a certain point and not just be everywhere um i'm better with visuals you know what i'm saying so it's like that's why everything is so descriptive but um yeah if you want a chaotic story and experience of my life and more insight into the sage then just keep on listening to these podcasts i gotta get back to work i gotta get back to doing what i'm supposed to be doing so uh i will let you know when the 3d podcast will be up that you okay so finding my podcast um still working this stuff out still working the kinks out but the fastest way to get to any of my podcasts is to go on my instagram sage coven which is spelled s-a-g or s-a-6-e-c-o-v-6-n is the 5d podcast pathfinders is the 3d podcast and the reason why i have two is because the first time i uploaded on 5d they blocked my account which is why i know like we'll get into gang stalking we'll get into what the government is doing and all this stuff further along i'm gonna try and be more consistent with the podcast um but as of now the 5d one is on sage coven the 3d one is on pathfinders they, the links are in the bios okay now 3d is more so for what's happening on earth and my earth experience the 5d is more so the visions the uh interactions and the um understandings of what was going on at the time in spirit so i'm gonna leave this one with just the numer numeric um hacking of the matrix and how i was hacking into it without knowing it and then the next one for this one, which will probably be later on today, will explain the true the the awareness of breaking the code in the simulation. Because this is a four-part um, podcast. These first two parts were the examples of when I was hacking into it and not being in awareness. These next two parts will be when I was in total awareness and able to realize I had hacked into simulation and what the government does when you actually do that and how they send in entities to push you away from that. So everything is going in order right now. The first podcast, which was how when I left Earth, is the basically the um, the end, the end of the book. The podcast after that, which is these last two, are... The beginning of when I realized I was different and then the two that are going to come after these two are the understanding and the awareness of becoming who I was supposed to become before I left earth you know what I'm saying and it'll make sense when I explain it because I didn't really break into how I hacked the matrix I broke into I gave you a download basically of understanding where I realized reality was falling away and true authenticity authenticity was coming into play with my life 
and my experience of who I'm becoming and who I am as a person, as a sage, as Anubis, as, you know, Christ consciousness embodied. So with that being said, I'm going to leave this here and I will catch you in a couple of hours after I am done eating my salad and drinking my aloe and working out and doing my thing that I do. All right. Peace. This is Sage coming to you live. I'm out.